Our passage today is in Ephesians chapter 4. It's 13 through 16 is our passage, but I need to begin in verse 11 because that's when the sentence begins. A lot of phrases in our passage today, but some great stuff. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's holy word. Please be seated. So we see Christ's heart here for His church, the body. Christ loves His church, the bride, the body, the family of Jesus Christ. We see that especially in Ephesians 4, especially in the book of Ephesians, but really from Acts 2 to the rest of the Bible, you see the centrality of the church in God's plan and His heart for His people, the church, and that's you and me. We see Christ's heart, but specifically here, we see one aspect of His heart for the church, and that is He wants to see His people his body grow spiritually and mature and thrive and develop. Now, it is so emphatic in the text. In verse 12, we see the phrase, building up of the body of Christ. In verse 13, to a mature manhood. In 14, the opposite, if it doesn't happen, it's that we no longer be children. In 15, that the church grow up in every way. In 16, that he makes the body grow, and then also in 16, he builds itself up. So six times in just this paragraph, over and over and over, God's heart for his church is that it would grow spiritually and thrive and develop and mature. It's like Christ was saying to us, this is my body, this is my family, and you've just got to grow spiritually and not stay as infants and children. You've got to thrive and be all that I've called you to be. Now, we get that, don't we? If you've got a, a little child, a toddler, an infant or something like that, you love that stage, but you want that child to grow, don't you? Well, this is uh, our youngest grandchild, Wren, and yes, I am taking every opportunity to get my grandchildren up there, but... Um, uh, Ren is just learning to walk, and we want her to learn to walk. Uh, if a little child does not develop physically, mentally, relationally, uh, spiritually, emotionally, just about in every way, then we would conclude, hey, something is very wrong. A and it would be very disturbing to parents or grandparents. Um, do you know that we've got a Father in heaven, and He feels exactly the same way about you and me? that He wants us to grow and develop and thrive in every way. 
And it's not like with children where when they grow about till they're about 18 or so, they're going to stop developing physically at least, hopefully not in other ways, but physically. It's not that way in the kingdom of God. Till the time we die, we never are to stop maturing, thriving, flourishing, and growing spiritually for the rest of our lives. And so that really raises some questions. This repeated emphasis in the passage is so strong in the heart of God. So what is that? What does it look like? What is maturity? How do you get that? So all these questions about growing spiritually and the heart of God. Now, um, to to revisit it just briefly, building up the body of Christ to a mature manhood, no longer be children, grow up in every way, makes the body grow, builds itself up in love. This is the heart of God for His church. Now, if it is the heart of God for His church, it's not just on paper or in theory, the church in general, somewhere out there in the Netherlands, but it is for specific churches, the only kind that you and I can go to and be part of and, and love and be loved, that sort of thing, like Wood's Edge. And if God's heart is for Wood's Edge to grow spiritually, then it is for every single one of us who are part of the Wood's Edge Church family. However long we've been here, however formal or informal we are, God's heart is for you and me. So God's heart this morning is not for wood's edge in some kind of nebulous way, but specifically for you and me to grow and mature to become all that God wants us to be. This is the heart of God for us. What is that like, and what do we do to pursue that? Well, in this passage, there are three basic principles embedded in the passage, which answers some of the basic questions, such as what is this And how do we go about this? And what comes with it? All right, the first principle, first of three, the measure of maturity is becoming like Christ. It is not several other things. It is not how well you know the Bible. Now, my background spiritually comes from a a tribe of churches that... uh, It wasn't said explicitly, but there was an implicit message that those who knew the Bible the most were regarded as the most spiritually mature. Now, the Bible is absolutely essential to spiritual maturity, but it is not the measure. That is, you can know the Bible a lot and and really be an infant when it comes to spiritual maturity, surprising though it is. So it's not that. It's not how gifted you are if you appear up front or if you've got a pastor by your name or a missionary or something like that. That doesn't necessarily go with spiritual maturity. It's not how much you give or, or how regularly you go to church or a number of other things, but it is simply this. The measure is to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, this is the biblical teaching. For example, maybe the classic passage is in Romans 8 where God is talking about him choosing us, selecting us, and it gives his grand purpose for us. Why he does that? It's in 829, where he says, for those, by the way, that's just right after that very famous Romans 828, called according to his purpose, and he gives the purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That is our destiny. This is what God wants. He wants nothing else than that you and I look more and more like Jesus. Now, not like the specifics of his life, walking on water, things like that, but his, his character, his, his life, his, his heart, that we more and more look Christ-like. 
But we don't have to go to passages like Romans 8. We could go to our own passage in Romans 4.13. It says, to a mature manhood, and then he defines it, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's maturity. To become like Jesus Christ. That's the measure. The stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Or down in verse 15, we see it again. It says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Grow up and look like Jesus. Now, what exactly does that mean? When you think about Christ-like, there's just so many traits you could uh, uh, imagine. You could think of the way he was fearless and bold with the religious leaders and how he was compassionate and tender with the hurting and how he was devoted to prayer and he'd go off on his own and pray to the Father and and how he knew the Word and had full confidence in There are so many things about Christ. So can, can we get our hands on something a little more concrete? I think we can. Galatians 5, 22, 23 is a great summary of the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, that's a great description of Jesus Christ. You could say Christ is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is a great description. That would be a good summary for us if we're knowing what maturity is all about, what our goal is out there. Here it is. It's this. By the way, note that that is the fruit of the Spirit Not what I strive and and try hard on my own, but I surrender to the Spirit and He produces it in me. Fruit of the Spirit. Or another good summary, I think that might be the best one, but 1 Corinthians 13, the great description of love, that middle paragraph says this. It says, love is patient and kind. You can substitute the name Jesus. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful and and, and goes on uh, right through verse 8. So, what's maturity? It's not necessarily the one who knows the Bible the most or has the prominent sort of gifts. It is simply not being rude to the people around you and not being self-centered and being a, a good forgiver. It is looking like Jesus Christ more and more. Or still a third way, the simplest way, is just to think of the passage in Matthew 22 and elsewhere when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he answers with a twofold response. Well, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That summarizes the whole law. If you love God, if you love people more and more, that is is the measure of maturity. So what are we talking about with spiritual growth and spiritual maturity? For me, the the word maturity is kind of, it just kind of falls flat. It doesn't grab me. It doesn't, doesn't, uh, you know, excite me. Uh, Even the term growth. But loving God with all my heart more and more, loving people more and more, and serving them, okay, I can get that. That's spiritual growth, and the Father in heaven says, I want that for you and you and you and every single one of us. Or you're going to stay like a little baby, and something is very wrong if that happens. So the measure is nothing else than Christ-like love, a love for God that is going to express itself in obedience to God, because if we don't love God, I mean, if we don't obey God, we don't love Him. 
and a love for people is going to express ourselves in servanthood. We're looking to serve. We're looking to serve people and meet their needs. So let me just pause for a moment or two and ask you, how are you doing when it comes to spiritual maturity? Would you say that over the years that my heart for God is expanding? Would you say over the years that my other-centeredness, my selflessness, my um, pursuing others in love is expanding? That's what your Father wants to see. And it is just as natural and normal for believers as it is for a little child to grow up from a one-year-old. It is God's plan, and it is the expectation. That's the first principle. What is maturity? Being like Jesus, especially loving God and loving people. Secondly, there's a second principle. Every part of the body is needed for spiritual growth. Now, this principle is repeatedly in the passage, and it's emphatic. Every part of the body is needed for spiritual growth. And it's not just that uh, for my spiritual growth, I need to, to, to be active in the body. But if Phil and Francie are not active serving God, then that hurts the spiritual growth of Tim and Michelle over here. And it's kind of a mystery, but, but somehow if we're all functioning like we're supposed to, it's going to mean for the spiritual growth and development and maturity for all of us. So it's kind of a mystery there. But this is the body. Every part is needed, not just the kind of the prominent parts. And that means you, every single one of us. Formally or informally, big or small, inside the walls, outside the walls. It can look like all different kind of things, but everybody has a part to play. Now, where do we see this? Well, if I could go a little bit before the passage, it really sets the tone in chapter 4, verse 7. It says, but grace, and this is not saving grace, if you were here with us a few weeks ago. This is serving grace. It's talking about spiritual gifts in the context. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, every single one of us. If you're a believer in Christ, you've been gifted spiritually to serve. But in our own passage, 11 and 12, that the work of the leaders, people like me, is not to do ministry, but is rather, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So my role is not to do all the work in the church. Somebody needs to be visiting the hospital or something. That's not, hey, better get a, call a pastor there. But no, we all do the work of the ministry. My role is to empower, to encourage, to, to teach, to, to uh, release, to all kind of things. But all the saints do the work of ministry. Who's called to do the ministry? Not the seminarians who are saints, not the vocational pastors who are saints, but saints. That's every believer, every believer, every single one of us. Or in verse 16, it says it three times, or it uh, assumes it three times. Verse 16, talking about from Christ, from Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together. But the whole body, not part of the body, not some of the body, not most of the body, not 20% of the body. The whole body is part of this. Joined and held together by every joint, there it is again, every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, he could be hardly more emphatic, could he? Every single part is needed. The whole body is involved. What is your place in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God? All of that working makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
every person is needed. So when it comes to the church, unlike football games or sports events or even concerts or things, there are no spectators here in this room. Now, that's a little bit of a downside of this platform up here because this platform, we can call it a stage, and stage implies that, man, there's somebody up here that's kind of performing or something and, and everybody else out there watching. Well, that's not really how it is, and you best see that in the worship because in the worship... Uh, these folks up here are singing, but we're not just spectators watching them, but we are, are worshiping God with all of our heart. These folks up here are more like a prompters to kind of get it going. And who's the audience? Who's the audience? Come on. God is the audience. He's the only audience we have here. And, and really that's true in the preaching part too. We're not here as kind of uh, the, the performer or the player and the spectators but we're all being trained and equipped together looking at God. The Bible speaks to me um, every week, and, and it's for all, we all sit under the Word of God. But the only one who is the audience responding before Him is God Himself. This is not football where you've got a few people on the field and everybody else in the stands. All of us are players on the field, and we're needed. Every single one of us. Now, that, that brings a challenge because sometimes it's not so obvious. Well, what is my role? And what can I do? And uh, that's not completely obvious. Uh, there, there are spiritual gifts that are listed, but it's just a sample list. It's not an exhaustive list. Uh, you've really got to seek the Lord and ask God and, and consider how He's wired you and what has He given you a heart for and, and, and jump in and try some things. Uh, maybe talk with some other folks. Talk with some of our pastors or our small group leaders or somebody like that. Ask the Lord to show you. Now, uh, a danger, uh, let me just warn you about it, is that, um, you know, you, you could pray that God would guide you about, you know, what's my role for years and years and years and never, you know, get off the bench. And, and so I would encourage you, uh, pray for the next 30 days and then get, get in the game and do something. Uh, don't, don't just wait forever, and maybe God can move you around better if you're a moving car and not just in the garage. Find a place. Find a place to serve. It can be all kinds of things. Um, Jenny, is interesting. Thank you for your story, Jenny. But sometimes you've got young moms, depending on how, how, how old your kids are. You know, it might be very limited what you can do, and maybe it's going to be done from your home uh, situation. Some of you, your spiritual calling is really intercession, and hardly anybody knows about that. Maybe Carol Ham, our prayer pastor, maybe I know about it. I love the fact we've got some intercessors, but a behind-the-scenes role, just praying hard, and how valuable is that? Everybody intercedes, but some people have a special calling, kind of like giving. Everybody gives in the kingdom, but some of you have got a special gift. That's your calling in the kingdom of God. You've got a special knack to make and to give money to the kingdom of God. Or, or maybe for you, it's a season in which, you know, it's limited or, you know, uh, it's behind the scenes. It's outside the walls of Wood's Edge. Church, this is not something God wants from you. It's not something God wants for you. You need to have the sheer joy and pleasure of, of, of being involved in the kingdom of God in a tangible way. All of us who are husbands, fathers, moms, and dads, that's, that's a role, not a ministry, even though that might be your primary ministry in a sense. What is your place in the direct kingdom of God? Where is God leading you? All right, we've seen two basic principles. One, what is maturity? Well, several times in the text, it is becoming like Jesus Christ. 
especially in his love for God and love for people. Secondly, every one of us are needed. Thirdly, the only time that we really come to an imperative, a command in the text, and it really has the force of a command, is in verse 15 when it says, rather, rather than being like a child, speaking the truth in love. And that is the force of a command. Here it is, speak the truth, do it in love. Truth and love. Uh, both of those are absolutely vital if you're going to thrive and mature. Some of us, like me, might lean to the truth side. Uh, others of you might lean to the love side, but that is no excuse for any of us. Got to have full-on truth and full-on love are both vital. Now, a little bit of a clarification. I think I've misunderstood this passage for the 40 years I've been a believer. Uh, in, in this way, because the passage is usually treated this way, that if I'm talking to Don McDonald, one of our elders over here, that in my conversation with Don, I need to be honest with Don, whatever I say, so it's speaking the truth, and I need to be loving with Don. I can't jump on him or something like that, so speak the truth in love. But it's not talking about interpersonal honesty and, and relationships, because the whole context is not interpersonal dialogue and honesty, but it is the truths of God is opposed to the false doctrines of false teachers. The previous verse, and always in the Bible, in your Bible study, context is king. What does the previous verse say in 14? Well, it says this. It says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Talking about false doctrines. Being carried away, blown away by the false doctrines by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That is, the deceitful teaching of the false teachers. In contrast to that, he goes right on to say, not even a, a, a sentence stop in the original language, rather speaking the truth in love. Not the false doctrines, but the true doctrines. It is holding to the truth of God's Word. That's where we find truth embodied Jesus in John 17, 17, Lord, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. God's word embodies truth. And this gives balance to what I said earlier, that this is not the measure of maturity, but it is absolutely vital and essential to maturity. What God is talking about is not just my interpersonal honesty or dishonesty with Don, as important as that is. There must be 300 verses on lying and honesty in the Bible. But here it's saying, for spiritual growth and maturity, you be a lover of God's truth in the Scriptures. And that will not be, that cannot be, unless you're in the, God, the Word of God every day. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. It is absolutely essential. Friend, Make this book a priority in your daily life. If you've got a long commute, put it on iPod or on a CD or something and listen there and back or there or something. And if you don't have a long commute, then all the, more, all the better. You can get along with God's Word in an open Bible. Love it. Study it. Read it. Do it. Or you will be a spiritual babe all your days. Wah, wah. Grow in the Lord. But it's not just 
the Word of God, as important as that is. It is loving people with a sacrificial, selfless love. It means simple things like you are looking for ways to serve. You care about people. You pray for people. You don't just say you pray for people, but you pray for people. That you've got a kindness in your smile and a kindness in your voice. That you've got humility. You've got patience. You've got forgiveness. You're a big-hearted forgiver. It's all the ways that we express that we want to care for others and, and bless others and love others and encourage others. At times, challenge others. That's part of love. But that we are lovers and we focus like Paul did, who knew the Scripture so much, but he focused on this big-hearted love for his people. And that is the call for you and me. And some of us really need to bring it up when it comes to loving people. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 makes it so clear. If you don't have love, you don't have anything. This passage starts out in chapter 4, verse 2, by really kind of summarizing specific traits of love. When it says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Or verse 15 that we just read, speaking the truth in love. Or at the end of verse 16, the whole passage climax, the climactic part, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's got to be about love or it's worth nothing. So church, here is the two basics of spiritual growth. It is loving the Word of God and loving the people of God and people who you want to become people of God. It's the truth and the love, truth and love. Now, let me just remind you what you know. There are only two things from this planet that are going to be taken from it. This book, the Bible, and the people around you, the souls of people. There's only two things. Look around this room. That scream won't make it. Those drums won't make it. Your clothes won't make it. You'll have some other clothes, hopefully. And um, uh, this whole campus won't make it. But look at the people around you. Look at them. They are eternal. The Word of God is eternal. So what are we going to invest ourselves in if not the Word of God and people? And this is the measure of maturity. Truth and love. Truth and love. The only two things that will survive. Okay, this is what God says to every one of us. Not in in theory, but every single person here. God wants us to continue to grow and thrive and mature spiritually all our days. All our days. Three principles elaborated. The measure of maturity is becoming more and more like Christ. Maturity is becoming more and more Christ-like in our love, loving God and loving people. Secondly, every part of the body is needed for the spiritual growth of the body, certainly for your spiritual growth, but also for my spiritual growth. Every part is needed. We all got a role. Thirdly, two essential elements, two core elements. Every day meet with God and His Word, and then give yourself to loving people with all your heart. Now, in closing, church, what is God impressing upon your heart today about this? Is there, has there been anything that uh, you just sense that maybe your spirit quickened when maybe you saw one particular phrase or challenge in the Word of God or that I've relayed this morning? Is God saying anything to you? Well, ask Him. And let's be quiet and listen. Go ahead.
Let's just ask Him right now. Lord God, what is my next step to mature and please You the way You want me to? Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Friend, maybe you're here and you've never taken the first step of a relationship with God, and it's the gospel. It's not through religion. It's not through earning it. It's through the gospel, the grace of God in Jesus Christ. You can just breathe a prayer and say, Jesus, I need a Savior. You can do it right now. He will give you eternal life and forgiveness for all your sin. Lord, thank you for a Savior. We bless you. We bless you. In Christ's name. Amen.